Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 394. It's that core loyal customers who are going to buy from you again and again that are going to be the more profitable customers. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, and thanks for joining me here today. It's just a few days away from Halloween, and the topic I have in store for you includes a trick and a treat. The trick is to employ the strategy you'll hear about shortly, and the treat is what you're always striving for. More sales. We'll get to all that in a minute. But first, one of the most fulfilling things I've discovered through starting Gift Biz Unwrapped is the warmth, camaraderie, and generosity of the community that we formed. You're so giving and so talented. And of course, I always want to give back to you too, to do something that can make your efforts easier and your results greater. So I asked you how, and you surprised me. It wasn't help with an email marketing strategy. It wasn't about selling at shows or any other number of topics that make up a solid growing business. Nope. What you're overwhelmingly asking for is help with social media posting. You've been telling me that you're putting in the time, you're posting frequently, And you're discouraged because you aren't seeing any of this move the needle for your sales. Message received. Putting in more and more time posting in the same way isn't going to magically bring you in the sales. You need to change the way you're posting and what you're posting. You don't need to put in more work. You need to put in the right work. And that's when you'll see things change. And I've created your guide to do just that. It's called Content for Makers, and it's specially designed for handmade product makers like you. Content for Makers will help you understand why your current social media activities aren't converting into sales. It will also show you how to put in less time and start seeing activity through social that will lead to increased sales. Just imagine knowing exactly what to post and getting it done in just minutes each day. That frees up space for you to interact with potential clients, deepen relationships with those you already know, and all of this continues to build upon itself naturally. Yes, this really is possible. Content for Makers will accomplish this for you. To see all the details, jump over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash content for makers. But honestly, at only $27, it's a no-brainer. Plus, you only have to pay for it once for use year after year. Why carry on posting as you've been doing all along, expecting different results? Sign up for Content for Makers now and see the transformation of your posting experience change right before your very eyes. Giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash content for makers. It's ready and waiting for your immediate access right now. Okay, 
Remember the trick I teased about at the top of the show? It's about how to turn first-time customers into repeat customers. Although you'll naturally have a small number of people buy again, you can do so much better if you don't leave it up to chance. Why put energy into this effort? According to Outbound Engine, it costs five times more to convert a new customer than to get additional orders from a past buyer. And if you're able to get just 5% of your first-time customers to buy again, listen to this, it can increase profits anywhere from 25 to 95%. How's that for a treat? On the show today, Monica's going to lay out all the details. You'll hear about the difference between your ideal customer and your real customer. And then, step-by-step, how to turn them into loyal fans who buy more from you and go on to tell their friends about your products, too. Stay tuned. This is a strategy you most likely haven't heard before. And it doesn't cost any money, just your time. So open your Halloween bag because we're about to give you a delicious, sweet treat. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Monica Sharma Patnaker. Monica is a digital brand marketing and strategy professional with 17 years experience building global brands. She's worked across multiple business sectors and with startups to Fortune 500 companies. Additionally, she's been hired by Google to coach their premium partners who work with e-commerce businesses. Monica is Dutch by birth and Indian by heritage, global by choice and education, a creative thinker, a dancer, a chai fanatic, and the mom of two girls. Monica, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Hi, Sue. Thank you for having me. I am so excited that you're here. And we're going to get into a topic in a minute that is really important for people to understand about their business and focus on. So when I saw that you were looking to be on the show, I was like, yes, we have touched on this a little bit, but we've not dived in. I'm going to keep everyone in suspense about what that is, because I'd like you to share with us your motivational candle. So this is something that I've been doing for the seven plus years I've been podcasting. And it's such an interesting way to learn more about you besides just through the intro that we just did. So if you were to create a candle that was all yours, speaks totally Monica, what would it look like by color and a quote or a saying? So it would probably be yellow. <laughs> Love bright colors. And my quote is saying, well, it actually changes by season. So currently I'm in a season where what I'm using a lot is a Brene Brown quote. Courage is when you know there's a chance you can fail, but you do it anyways. Ooh, yeah. Because so many people won't start because they're afraid they're going to fail. There's this dream out there that just keeps going and never has the chance of even being real because people just stop themselves. Yeah, and it just gives us a permission that it's okay to be afraid as well. And that's normal. I think sometimes we say, we're always telling our kids or somebody or the other, don't be afraid. But it's okay to be afraid. It's just that we choose to take the action despite being afraid and still move on. And it's been a big reminder for myself. It's a big reminder of using with my girls as well. And it's really been helping me in the last few months. Is there something you can share with us, like an example that you can tell us about? 
Oh, let me see. So recently, I think it was, I was just finished a large project. I was working out with a client on a, a freelance project. And there was a decision I had to make, which meant that I was only going to work with certain type of freelance clients and which I, where I was only going to be able to charge a certain rate. But that meant really clearly that I was going to be in an uncertain time for a little while. And I may not have a few clients for a little while. And I was really, really scared. It was like, I'm taking the wrong decision, being irresponsible. What does that mean? But I've decided to move ahead anyways with that. And that was just a quote that really helped me at that moment when I read it to say, okay, you know what? Sometimes you have to take those decisions and it's okay to be afraid about it. It's normal, not knowing what's going to happen next. Yeah. And we often talk about being fearful and jumping into starting a business. But the fact is this fear fear factor and being courageous is something that never goes away. Like you always have to call on it again and again. I mean, I've been in business now, corporate life, my own businesses for a long time. And I thought at some point, oh, you'll just nail it. Like, you know, you'll be so confident with every single thing, but it's not true. You always have to just decide, you know what, I'm going to try it. And some things work, many things don't. But that's the only way you can make progress is by not being afraid of failing. Not being afraid. And that's how you learn what works and what doesn't work and making the right choices going forward. We've all learned lessons from those things. And I think that's what we need to remind ourselves and that it's okay to make those mistakes and grow slowly and that not everything will work in the first time. Yeah. And it's okay to be afraid and uncertain in the process. And I think you can look at your actions as experiments. This is something you're going to try and you're going to see if it works. And if it does, great. If it doesn't, all right, you've learned something to your point. And so you'll try it from a different angle or do something different. Yeah, that actually reminds me of another quote I use a lot with my girls as well is you never lose. You either win or you learn. There you go. I love it. You win or you learn. Maybe both. Because when you win, you also see what's working. Exactly. All right. Love it. So talk to me a little bit about how you got into the business that you're doing now. Give us a little of your story. I think the red thread of my entire career, I've done a master's in business, majored in marketing, went into the marketing and strategy and brand profession in my corporate career with Fortune 500 businesses, pure brand management, launching new brands, as well as managing heritage brands, moving into strategy consulting and global marketing. But then 10 years into that, I was like, I was itching to start my own business. I quit when I had my second child and started my own online store, bringing handmade curated products from India in the home accessory space here to Europe. I continued to freelance at the same time, but I realized that actually it was an old dream I was chasing. So this was something where you learn. It was an old dream I was chasing and what my heart was really in building brands, something I continuously did. The only thing what I decided to do at that time is to niche down to both smaller business owners and scale-ups versus the bigger corporates, because I love to see the action that people are taking immediately, the results that they're making, which takes much longer in the corporate space. And something I noticed a lot around me with all the businesses I was in the networks with is there were just a key foundational things that were I found were constantly missing, which was really related to your customer and your brand. And that was what my strength is and what I'm great at and what I'm passionate about. So that's where I decided to just niche down and focus on that. I love that you've niched down to startups and the people who are scaling. I have had a similar experience, although I think from a little farther back, because I'm a little bit older than you are, but I worked also with a lot of corporate brands and you, again, seem to think that they've got it all together. Their systems are totally tied up and perfectly executed and all of that. And you end up seeing that when you're behind the scenes and you really know that that's not the case. 
And I also have always found, and you talked about this a little bit already, is that things take forever to happen in corporate where smaller businesses, even if you're a one-man show or one-woman show, I should say, and you've got a small team, you can move so much quicker than corporations. So together with the fact that the big brands don't always have it all buckled down, I'm not going to say nobody does because they've probably done business with you, Monica, (laughs) but some of them are buckled down, but many of them aren't. And also things take so long. It's like moving a boulder. These are two areas where as small businesses, we have so much of an advantage over the big guys. We just need to know what to do and how to use it. Exactly. And I just love seeing the impact because not just the impact on their business, but when I work a lot of female entrepreneurs to seeing the impact it has in their life. That's what really inspires me, the change that I'm helping them make, because it impacts them to get into, even as one person business owner, into a leadership position in their business, but also the impact on their family, the time they have for each other. And it's just so inspiring to see that kind of effect that I'm having on people. Yes, for sure. Okay, so I alluded to this topic that we haven't really dived into in depth before, And this is one of your specialties, Monica, and that is how to take a first-time customer and make them a loyal customer. So often, all of our energy is getting new customers, getting more exposure to our product from people who have never seen us before, and not remembering that those people who have already opened their pocketbook or pressed the buy button are way more likely to buy again, have already experienced what hopefully has been a beautiful product experience. And through the whole sales process, everything has been so smooth. Of course, these are the people that we should be talking to more and focusing on. Absolutely. Why don't we do that? It seems so obvious, but the natural thing is always get more, get more, get more customers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I think that's how everyone thinks that they need to grow their business, obviously. And I think what we need to remember, it's going to be a combination. It is you have to have new customers coming in to keep that growth. But it's that core loyal customers who are going to buy from you again and again. And who are going to bring others with them, like I said, to the party to buy from you as well that are going to be the more profitable customers because you need to spend obviously to bring people in. But as they buy from you again, that's what's going to really allow you to build a long-term sustainable business. And that's what sometimes we forget. It costs more actually to bring in a new customer than to keep an existing one. A lot more. Do you know what the number is? How much more? I forgot the exact number, but I know it keeps changing with the online world. Yeah, but it's significant. It's significant. It's like three, five, seven times more. I mean, it's not just even double. It's more than that. It is more than that. I'm going to research and see if I can find that. And if I can, I'll add it into the show notes here. But that's always been the case. You know, way back in my corporate life when retail, there wasn't even online in the very beginning when I started. It was also the case. So this is a solid baseline issue with businesses. It's always takes more to attract a new customer versus to keep the ones that you have. Exactly. Yeah. And the other thing is, and I think this is based on the business that you have, Monica, you may be able to to tell me more on this. You're always going to have some people who will fall off. So naturally there will always, you know, even if you have a loyal customer base, there's always going to be people who will fall off for whatever reason. And so you always want to keep filling your base, but the focus should be on your current customers. I'm going to even say first. Would you agree? 
Absolutely. A hundred percent agree with that. Of course, it's going to change as per the business you have. How often is your product one that there's a need to buy it more often? Does it have one where you can only need it once a year again, or you're not going to buy a TV every year, for example, things like that will obviously affect it. But the more you can build that relationship and keep them. And even if your product is not something they need to buy as often, but if you build that relationship, they will talk to others about it as well, which is also a slightly cheaper way, obviously, to bring in new customers. So absolutely focus, especially in this current environment, I say there is nothing like focusing on your current loyal customers or help them become loyal and give them what they're looking for. Yeah, and we're going to get into a little bit of your advice on how to do that. But I just want to make one point about referrals. I feel like referrals and think about this for yourself, too. So any product that you've been referred to, your friend has said, oh, my gosh, you should try this product. It's so great. I feel like that if you think of like a football game, the ball's already at the one yard line. All you got to do is carry it over the goal line (laughs) because you've already made so much progress just by a friend referring a product. So, so much value and a benefit to you. Like your sales will come in so much faster if you've got all these potential customers at the one yard line, they just have to get over. (laughs) I know it just saves you so much more energy and action that you have to take just from in terms of more, you know, the cold, warm and hot leads, they're coming in already as a warm lead. Mm -hmm. So you just need to make them like super hot at that moment. Exactly. Super hot. All right. So for repeat business and referral business, it all goes back to deepening a connection and a relationship with your customers, right? Right. Is this the best place to start? We're not talking about converting prospects to sales. We're starting right at the customer point, right? Focusing on our customers. Right. Absolutely. Focusing right on customers, though these techniques will also help you with the prospects, but I always focus first on your customers. Okay. All right. Wonderful. So we've got a group of people who have purchased from us. We might not even know them. They may just be a name that has come through because it's been a sale online. Yes. Well, that's where we actually start. That's the point, which is what the one of the biggest things I have noticed with anyone I work with or even speak with. I call it real over ideal. We are all out there trying to make these ideal customer personas. And ideal literally means something made up in your imagination. If you look it up in the dictionary. So people are drawing out these personas on paper without really knowing who these people are. So I say, get to know who your real customers are first, which means having conversations with them, literally. That's how you make actual customer persona is through actual conversations with them. You can call them interviews if you want, but sounds too formal. So I always say having this real meaningful customer conversations with them, reach out to them, pick up the phone and get to know them. That is the starting point. Wait, pick up the phone, actually call somebody. Well, yeah, obviously we email them first and make appointments and you do video calls or calls or you do face-to-face if they live in the same city. I don't care, but it has to be an actual conversation, not just a survey going out because that's the only way to really speak. You know, just think about when you speak to a friend, you're not going to just mail them a few questions and see how they're doing. You speak to them to get to really know them. It's the same way with your customers and you have to know who's buying from you to be able to attract one more of them, but also to be able to serve these people much better. Right. I love this idea. Like who would think pick up the phone and actually talk. Right. I mean, it's <laughs> just think of any company on this earth that has been super successful and didn't know who's buying from them. Right. I'm thinking this through here. You would do this with 
your customer when they first interact with you, the first purchase, something like that, right? How long into your business can you do that? If you're just starting, you may only have a handful of customers, right? And as you grow, hopefully, you're going to have many more customers that are going to come in all the time. So how do you work this through as you're growing your business? Yeah. So, I mean, if you've never done this, of course, it's a great place to just start. And I would speak to both the customers who've just bought from you, but some who've already been buying more often. And that also gives you a good idea of the differences and commonalities. But otherwise, this for me should be an ongoing process in your business. Getting to know who your customers are as your business changes, you're growing, your business is growing, your products are evolving, your customers are also evolving, the economy is evolving, the markets are evolving, there are other choices coming in. So as long as you stay on top of that and keep this as an ongoing process in your business that every month you speak to a few customers, you're always going to be on top of what's really happening and what they want. And you're going to be able to reach out to those customers for ongoing feedback as well. Okay, so in the beginning, you can talk to everybody because you have a smaller number of customers. And then as you get bigger, maybe you make a goal for yourself. You want to talk to three to five customers a week or whatever it is. Even if you start a month, I think that's a great place to start. Just, yeah. you know, and then depending if you have a team in place or are you still, you know, a sole business owner, it's a little harder. So keep it per month. How many you'd like to speak to? Do you have a team in place? You can put a process in place where they speak to customers a certain time after they come in and make their purchase with you, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But just keeping it an ongoing process that you constantly know who your customer is, who's buying from you, why they're buying from you, what are those triggers and barriers along the journey for them, as well as so when things happen like we are now, I see so much uncertainty in people's minds, whether it's algorithms changing or the markets changing. My only feedback always is please just speak to your customers. They'll tell you what they need. Right. And not everyone that you reach out to will be willing to speak with you either. So don't worry about that. You know, Your goal is just to get in contact with customers so that you can learn more. I love what you're saying here, Monica, about your real, the true person, which is what you're getting at versus what you thought was the ideal customer when you first started, you know, because you have to put something out there to start with, but who is actually really buying your product? Exactly. So let's take this down a little more granular. Someone makes a purchase. Let's just say online for now. Okay. Someone makes a purchase. How do I reach out to them? Yeah. Email, you'll have got an either, depends on how they sign up with you, SMS or email, but email is usually the easiest. Write to them. A personal email, make sure it doesn't go through the automated email service providers so that it really, they know it's really coming from you. Write to them an email and just reach out to them saying, hey, I've seen you've made your first purchase or somebody who's been with you longer, seen you've bought very often. I'm always trying to uh, work and improve my business to be able to serve you better and would just love some feedback and some a little bit of your time to speak to you one-on-one over a call or video call, whichever works for you Mm -hmm. would you be interested and when would be possible so write something in your tone of voice that sounds like you that's heartfelt and genuinely is really like i'm looking for your help to grow my business so i can serve you better so you're doing it for them right okay so very personal just like you would talk to anybody or communicate with anybody one-on-one but you're saying don't make it an automated email even if it's personal No, I've noticed the, you can do that. You can send out automated emails as well. People will respond, but you'll have a higher response rate when it's personal. All right. And you might also want to target in, let's say you've added a new product to your lineup. So you might want to target people who have purchased that product specifically too. So you might have certain questions. This is great for research of all sorts, I think. This is great for everything. That's what any stage of business you are, actually, you can keep using this. 
add, especially when people haven't done it before, I always say, okay, like choose a certain segment and then send an email out from your email service provider, but then pick out a handful where you say, I really want to speak to these and send those personally, for example. So you can always do a combination because depending on how big your list is, it may be impossible to reach out to everyone personally. But therefore, you can always do a combination as well. But people love helping and you'll see that if they have the time, they're going to respond especially with small business owners i've noticed there is this common link or some desire that people have to help you mm -hmm. so don't be afraid as well for you'll be really surprised how much people love helping other people yeah and they feel noticed if you reach out specifically then that customer is like gosh they see me they recognize me and they really value me as a customer i love this idea monica of talking one-on-one -on -one with a customer but now we've got them on the phone or video chat. What do we ask them? Stay tuned. We'll be back with detailed steps of what to say in these calls after a quick word from my other business, The Ribbon Print Company. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or find packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards, print words in any language or font, add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. So, okay, yes, obviously the common introduction, get to know them, make it a friendly conversation like you would with anyone. Don't make it feel like you're going to be questioning them on something really serious. And then I have four buckets of questions that you ask them. So we start with the demographics. Right. You just want to get to know who the person is. Obviously, it's not the most important aspect, but it will help you with a lot of online targeting and other things that you do. Second one is desire. This is one most people will skip on. And for me, this is one of the most crucial ones. Then we have the do and then we have delight. Ooh, I'm excited. This is interesting. And I have a really awesome link, I think, where you can download this so that if you are not able to catch up well and write it down, you can download it as well. Okay, so I'll put that in the show notes for this. Okay. All right. So let's talk about each of these in detail then. Demographics, it's the basic. It can be age, life cycle, life stage. Sorry, if it's a business, it's a life cycle. But as a person, it's a life stage. And, you know, married, single, with kids, without kids. I would always say, think about the things that would be relevant for your business, right? Is some clients I've worked with, they really want to know if people are a homeowner or not, or if they're renting, for example, especially in the home accessory space. Others would love to know, they feel like the kind of car you own tells a lot about you as well. So you can choose the elements. These are the factual information about the person that can just help describe who they are. Okay, so in this one, I would imagine, like, we don't want to feel like we're taking a census, no. right? <laughs> you know, everyone is a little bit uncomfortable with revealing some of that information. So I'm thinking that you could talk about it 
just in a conversation. Like, obviously, you kind of know the life stage based on if you're in a video chat, you know, you can tell approximately ages, certainly, you know, younger versus older. You'll know if they're a family, if they've got kids in the back. So I'm feeling like in that very beginning, if you're talking to them, it doesn't have to be what's your age, what's your... (laughs) No, but you just, hi, how are you? Where do you live in the country? I'm in so-and-so. Just comfortable conversation, not question, answer, question, answer, right? Absolutely. Sure, that needs to be an open conversation. You just ask them to start telling them a little about themselves. I always say introduce yourself a little bit first so they feel they know you as well. Uh-huh. Then you ask them. And I actually have a technique there called story probing. So we, after the four buckets, we can touch on that, which will help in how to ask those questions correctly as well. Okay. But just open conversation. But the checklist, you can have it with yourself so you know what areas you want to cover. And if you feel some questions are more sensitive, you can always bring those at the end and say, just to end up the conversation, do you mind sharing with me? And then just make sure you have. And by that time, they're usually more comfortable sharing things with you as well. Right. And I'm thinking you could also give them the reason why you're interested in knowing. I want to know more about my customers so that I can match new products that I'm creating along with your lifestyle or what's important to you at the time or whatever, so that they understand why you're asking these questions. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So demos, that's kind of easy, but a little more challenging to get. And maybe you only say, you know, targeted on two or three of them. Those are the ones you really want to get. Anytime you speak to your customer, you need to focus on the couple of questions in each box that you think are the most important and will help you. And the rest, you know, if you're having a general conversation like we are doing, we kind of slide into different directions as well based on what they're saying. And you have to leave space and room to do that as well. Right. Desire. Tell me about desire. Desire. So what we're always trying to get into is what I call the customer desire insight or the human insight, whatever you want to call it. This is their needs, wants, and desire. This is what your customer is longing for in life, what they are looking for. It's like this end state that they're working towards. It's not the solution that you're providing yet. It's not what you're doing with your products yet. This is really about them. What's going on in their life? What makes them happy? What are maybe the struggles? What are desires that they have? And especially in the lifestyles kind of space, I think also especially with people who make handmade products, you'll see you're not really always solving a problem as you're fulfilling a desire. What is it that they want and what's going on in their life? Get to know them still as a person on a slightly deeper level before you dive into things that are all immediately and directly related to your product. If you've not known them ever before, how do you get them to start talking like that? So, okay, so we'll jump ahead. This is where I use my technique called story probing. So just think about it. If somebody suddenly, even especially when you ask a kid why, most of the time they're like really stumped. It's the same with adults. It's so difficult for us to sometimes explain. We end up rationalizing. Like we know that majority of customer purchases are subconscious. It's it's based on feelings. And that's what you're trying to get to. So therefore, I always say is ask stories. Don't ask the why questions. You have to ask them stories. You have to ask them things that have happened in their life. You can't ask people to predict the future because nobody can. So it's really using stories as a basis to get to know somebody. So you invite them to talk about a moment that they really remember and they'll tell you a little story about it. And what that reveals is usually the most amazing. Interesting. Okay. This one feels a little challenging to me, I have to say, because I just feel like Someone that you've never known, I don't know that they'll tell you a bunch of stories that don't have anything to do with their product. 
but maybe you just kind of, it's available and you weave it in as the conversation flows. I mean, all of this has to just be, every conversation is going to be different. Some people will talk to you probably longer than you have time for, and other people won't. So you just have to go with the flow. But the intent is to try and get that second level of the desires in, right? Exactly. And this is the one that most people struggle with. So it's really normal because you've not done this before. Obviously, I've been doing this for years. So the first time, the second time, it may feel a bit uncomfortable, but you'll be surprised at, again, how much people tend to open up. Mm -hmm. And it's also about how you ask, like I say, it's how you ask the questions. If I'm going to ask somebody, are you happy? Well, that's going to be really strange, right? No closed-ended, no yes, no questions, right? No, but if I'm asking or say, okay, if somebody says I'm happy, say, why are you happy? It's really difficult for people to describe that. But instead ask like, we've all been through a difficult time last year with the pandemics and anything happening. So you can use that as an inroad, for example. And just ask something like, you know, just tell me about a recent moment that really made you happy. When you ask that, people will certainly describe a situation the other ones might not, and which gives you then the chance to pick up things from that and dive in. And what happens is with stories, stories are memorable. Stories bring out emotions. People will therefore, instead of just what makes you happy and people will list things, they will tell you about a genuine situation that happened in their life, actually made them happy. And that will give you an idea of what's truly important for them because that's what they remember to tell you about. So it's really about asking the recent moments and ask them to tell you a little story about different things. Okay, so I'm trying to put myself in this place doing this. And here's how this could work for me, okay? Let's say make candles, which no one's surprised that I bring this up as the example because candles are like my all-time favorite thing in life. Let's say... I'm at this question. And could I say to the person that I'm talking to, you know, one of the things that's really important to me is that you get an experience out of my product that I'm intending, like I'm wanting candles to just fill your life and make you happy and make you comfortable, you know, all of that. On a deeper level, what are other things or what's happened recently where you've just been happy apart from candles and my product and all of that? What other things make you happy? Could that be a way of doing, like kind of grounding the question? Yes. The only thing what you're doing though here is you're already prompting them with a certain direction, what you want to achieve with your candles. Whereas what you want to know is what does your candles definitely actually really do for them? Okay. So could you say something like, I'm wanting to understand over and above that the candles are beautiful and smell good. What other experiences do you have with candles or something like that? So I'll give you a very concrete example. What you want to know. Yeah, I need a concrete example for sure. <laughs> Clearly. We are moving into though is the next box already because the desires is more general, right? Understanding their life and the questions. Now we're moving into do and do is the next box where how do they behave? What are they doing within your industry sector and the kind of products, product category that you sell? Okay. So in your case, you want to know what does candles actually mean to them or your candles specifically? So I would literally ask them, okay, you know, tell me a little story or a moment where you recently used one of my candles. Tell me about that moment. Literally, it feels really vague, I know, but you've got to wait and see the response that comes out of that. And that's when you realize, and that's when people start telling you, they'll tell you about a moment that they actually used your candle versus what you think they would have used it for. And then that gives you the opening to dive deeper because then you can go into more specific and standard questions that you want to ask. But this gives you a moment to really say, okay, so somebody may tell you, I, for example, oh, I light my candles every night before I sleep for 15, 20 minutes, for example. That tells you immediately what I'm using it for. 
important and that that moment is really important for me because this is the one I talked about. I may use it for more things, but this is the one that really stuck with me. And I'll tell you what I, I have this whole ritual that I follow when I do that. So, and that's what people will open up with, with you. And then you dive in based on what they're saying. You can dive in deeper into the various aspects that they talk about. And that's why I call it story probing because you're probing further into mm -hmm. it based on what they say. But you want to keep it as open as possible in the beginning. And once they talk to you more, you can always go to more specific questions down the funnel. Okay. All right. Got it. I think I actually am getting this now. So that's all still under do, right? We had demographics, we had desire, we had do, and then the last one is delight. Delight is what makes them truly happy about the experience of, say, shopping with you or competitors or alternatives. What will they even tell others about buying from you? So this way, you know the whole experience that they have. You've gotten to know who this person is, what are their real needs in their life right now, and how does candles, in your case, candles specifically, fulfill that for them, and then therefore what makes them happy in the whole shopping experience that they have. Okay. All right. And so then what do you do with all of this information? Once you've had your conversations and you've had multiples, right? What do you do with all of this information then? You've got some great stories. You've probably learned a little bit more about your product in terms of how people are using it. Started to really be more clear about who your real customer is. So now you have all this information. How is this valuable to us? What do we do with it? Well, well, you obviously pull out the red thread that's coming out across all of them, and you will find those. You pull out those red thread and keep doing these going forward in your business as well, right? And that's when you use it to really define what you stand for as a brand. Now you know where your customers are. You know what your product is. So how does that therefore fulfill those desires and those experiences that they are talking about? And what I use there is uh, called the benefit ladder, which is... So most people focus a lot on what we call the features. So the candle smells good, the colors, what it is made of. But what we want to say, what does that really mean to the customer? So we go into the benefits and you have different steps within the benefit ladder. And there's also a lot of research that shows that the more benefits you can offer on different rungs of the value ladder, the more loyalty you build with people as well over the longer term. And what that means is, so you have functional benefits. This is what does my product actually do? candle well it lights up my space or it smells great that's what it does but then you have the emotional benefits how does it make me feel a candle i feel super relaxed and cozy when i light my candle so emotional and then transformational therefore how does it change my life i'm going to stretch it here a little bit but say well the more relaxed i feel every night before i go to bed the better i'm for example, do my work the next day, the more relaxed I'm with my children, the happier my life at home is or the better sleep I have, things like that. And then you get to your societal benefits. So therefore, what does that do for society? And that kind of comes back and links to your purpose that you're trying to achieve with candles as well, for example, which is, well, you know, happier moms <laughs> mean a happier society, for example. I'm doing very vague ones at the moment, but I hope that gives, I'm trying to keep it broad so that people can understand how this would work for them. And then this directly links to your messaging, to your content, to everything you're putting out there, the ads you're putting out. And the stories that you've gained from the interviews can literally be things you can pick out and tweak a little bit and use also in all your content. So whatever messaging you're doing out there in your content, your website, your emails, the ads you're putting out, that's where you will end up using all of this. Yes. Oh my gosh. Perfect. This is so 
perfect because, all right, so the end result of all of this, going through the four Ds of the interview, capturing the information, then establishing your benefit ladder of, again, four sections, right? Functional, emotional, transformational, societal, all circles back to understanding your brand in terms of who's actually being attracted to you and who uses it. And then once you know that, then it's what's the messaging look like for your business? Because the stronger and the more keyed in your messaging is, you're going to attract more people who align with what your product is naturally attracting. And then they're going to buy it more and tell their friends. Is that right? Absolutely. And if you combine the benefit ladder with also what makes you really different, what makes you unique, what you're basically answering is, who's my customer and why should they buy from me in simple terms? Mm -hmm. And that's what you then use. So you're building that irresistible brand that empathizes with your customer. It captivates them. It inspires them. And then also will keep converting them ongoing and building that long-term loyal relationship with the content that you keep putting out to them. Perfect. I love this so much, and I had no idea that this was going to be so timely because two podcasts from now, we are going to be talking about how to take what you've learned and make those words colorful and impactful and uniquely you aligned with your brand. So stay tuned for that podcast episode. But this, Monica, what we're talking about is the first step because you don't need to create words against your ideal customer. You want to create the words and experiences and all the messaging to your real customer. Real customers. Yes. Oh no, this is like magic. (laughs) (laughs) It's back to foundations. I can't say that enough. Back to foundations. Instead of just trying to put content out there and just testing and this will be more educated testing that you can do. You have the words, you have the benefit ladder and you can communicate at different stages. We always say you bring people in on emotions and you urge them to buy and convert them on more facts. So what happens is when you're starting broader with emotionals, the stories, the feelings that you're putting out there with people, that's when you're bringing them in. And then the closer they get to actually converting and buying from you again, that's when sometimes they need facts to rationalize that decision, you could say. So it works together. So it's not that the features are not important. They play a role in the funnel as well. But remember that you bring people in on emotions and you urge them to buy on facts. So use that interchangeably. And that's why the latter is so important. You've got your features, you know what the functional benefits and then the emotional and transformational. So depending on what stage your customer is in, you can use different things to communicate with them. Fabulous. Okay. As we're winding down here, we know the whole strategy. We know the understanding. We know the details behind all of the different steps. What should somebody do right after they're done listening to the show? What are the three action steps that they should take to get this in play, to start moving? Because you know how it is. Everyone can hear like this sounds great. And then we get back into our business and don't do anything. So what are the three things we should do coming off of this podcast? Well, first and foremost, reach out, go to your list and reach out to a few customers and ask them for time to interview them and get that booked and planned in, literally. Even to make it easy, let's just start with three, if that's all you can do at the moment. Just get three done. And from there, I'm sure you're going to end up doing more. Write your questions in the meantime, whilst those being are booked in. Get your questions that you really want to ask them in those four buckets. And I have a very handy download for that to remind you what those buckets are with a checklist under each D so that you also know what are the kind of things you want to be focusing on. 
And you have the questions then interview them and get the red thread out of those. Okay. And define red thread again. Explain what that is. The commonalities and that you will find across the different interviews for those different buckets. So in terms of demographics, roughly, what do you see? What kind of person they are? It could be that the demographics are not the most important, like I said, but then under desires and do and delight, what are the commonalities you see in terms of what their needs and wants are, how they're behaving within your product category, where they're making their choices, what are their triggers and barriers along the journey, and what really makes them happy when they do those, make those purchases. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Perfect, perfect. All right, three, everybody, one, two, three. <laughs> I want you to go and find those three customers and seriously, don't cheat. So don't just call your friends to do these interviews because <laughs> you're doing this for a goal, right? Like maybe it's one of these people is someone that you know, but just to get in the groove. But really what I think you want are people that you don't know. And that's one of my rules actually when I work with my clients. Oh. <laughs> you're not allowed to interview any immediate friends or family, unless you are 100% sure you can convince me that they've actually been your genuine customers and not just buying to support you. And the reason being is I've noticed that really close family and friends, they're two extremes. They can either be so supportive that they don't want to tell you anything negative at all. They feel like they'll be hurting you if they are telling you things that which probably could genuinely help you. Or the other way, they can be so critical because they feel they need to help you that they get too critical. So you want to really get to know from your genuine customers who are a little more removed from you. Those will give you the best insights. Right. And I think the conversation is already slanted to what you're saying, but you already know each other. So there's preconceived ideas on both sides already. But that could be like a practice one, right, Monica? As a practice, go ahead, do it. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't count in those three. Oh, <laughs> you're tough. <laughs> Okay. And so you've mentioned this download a couple of times and the best thing for me to do is just put it in the show notes. Is that the way to do it? Yes, that's the best thing. And tell us one more time what's included in this download so people remember why they should go and get it. It's my desires over demographics framework. So it will actually show you these four D's that I talk about. It's like a checklist. It will explain you what the four D's are again. And under each, you'll have like four bullet point kind of checklist. So you know the type of focus topics you want in each of those boxes. So you've done a lot of the work for us. So once yes. again, no excuses. You can definitely do your three easily. <laughs> okay. All right. Wonderful. Share a little bit more about your company, Business with Monica. So Business with Monica, I basically help a creative and conscious product-based retail e-commerce entrepreneurs better know how to communicate and connect with their real audience so that you get out of that vicious cycle of Facebook ads or content are just not converting and work from a more focused vision that you have for your brand as a whole. So you do more one-on-one -on -one and to a deeper level as we've been doing here, just take it further and more hand-holding of what you've shared with us here today. Yes, lots of hand-holding. I work one-on-one -on -one with my customers because I go so deep with them. That's mm -hmm. harder to do in a group format. So I have either through a six-week foundational mentorship or people who want more support over six months, but work one-on-one -on -one and literally through this whole process of really getting to know your customer, defining your brand, what that means even for your product portfolio, and then define looking at your numbers and defining code strategy using the knowledge of your customers. There you go across the customer journey to make sure that you have a plan of action in place. Love it. Because if you don't know your customer, you might be working off of something that is then a total disconnect from the people who are actually buying your products. And I think a lot of us could be guilty of that. I won't say are, but could be unknowingly guilty of that, right? 
Yeah. And that's one thing I want to give. Don't think that you've been doing everything wrong. Mm-hmm. As business owners, that's what we do. We get started somewhere and we start with some ideas we have. And that's great. But now take that the customers that are coming to you as a, the next step to say, okay, I want to get into the next stage of my business, next growth stage. Let me get to know who my customers are and then take it from there. And I've seen this time and time again with all my customers that everybody always had this thing in their imagination who the ID client was, and they were always surprised once they spoke to them in truly getting to know them. Oh, that's good information because I think a lot of us feel like we have it locked in. We know who our customers are. And so if nothing else, this will be validating that what you're thinking is accurate or time to change what reality is versus what you were thinking before. Yeah. And this from an idea they have themselves, which is great. But you can't build a business just selling to yourself and nobody is going to be like you, exactly like you. So you really have to get to know. So if you're not your own customer, get to know who the ones are actually buying from you. Monica, this has been really insightful and inspiring and interesting. I'm very excited about this. You've shared with us really how to identify and know for sure who our customers are and then also how to start enhancing that relationship so that they will be repeat customers and tell everybody else about your business too. Yep, exactly. Let's keep growing that business and build it into a long-term sustainable one. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing today. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Turning first-time customers into loyal, repeat brand fans. It's so obvious, but most people don't do it. Do you accept the challenge of trying it out? Only three people. Download Monica's guide on the four types of questions to ask your customers at businesswithmonica.com forward slash giftbizunwrapped and make those calls. Yes, it will feel unnatural at first, but as with everything, you'll get in the groove. Then do it every month, maybe even more than three, and see your order counts go up and up. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to show support, a rating and review would be wonderful. It helps spread the word about the show, too, so it's a great way to pay it forward. There's also another way to get something tangible in exchange for your support. Visit my merch shop for a wide variety of inspirational items like mugs, journals, water bottles, and more, featuring logos, images, and quotes to inspire you throughout your day. Makes a great gift, too. And we've just added some new products for the season. Which is my favorite design right now? It's a toss-up with that gorgeous lemonade image and a quote about refreshing and the beautiful butterfly design. What's yours? Turnaround is quick and the quality is top-notch. Nothing but the best for you. Take a look at all the options at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash shop. All proceeds from these purchases helps me offset the costs of producing this podcast. And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next time on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. Got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people 
and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 